Yeah. Had to take a nap because I'm tired of the cap. cap. Body programs to be wired to the trap. Yeah. Get the back flipping and desire the racks. He lost in the sauce and it costs what it costs. Hey. The beat play shit transpired in the rap. Right. Johnny stay lit like the fire at the camp. Life got dark for Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of In the Sacramento Podcast. The beam is no longer lit. It's it's finally taking it's finally taking a break and a well deserved one, but since the last time we recorded, the Kings have gone one and two. They won their first game of their three game road trip in Memphis to extend their winning streak to seven games, and then they dropped the next two in Atlanta and Boston. So we're going to talk about all that. We're going to cover all that first. I want to see how my guys are doing. KFR, how goes it? How's Fresno? You know Fresno. It's always great down here, but I, you know, my mood personally has been uh, dimmed recently mm-hmm. with uh, the light not being lit no more, and uh, you know, you know, it's just been rough for me. With yeah. the beam not lit, it just feels like there's something missing in my life, and you know, I I do want to have a little complaint here because it feels like the Kings are like the only team that have played like 18 games or less. Every other team, I feel like it looks like the record's like twelve and eight or something. Mm-hmm. Like we don't get a chance to light the beam. Yeah, if we don't play enough games. Like, at what point are we going to have that like part of the schedule where we play like eight games and nine nights? I know it's coming up. Yeah, probably, and then it's going to be like absolutely brutal as far as like strength of schedule. But you're right. Maybe there's a conspiracy afoot. The NBA doesn't want the NBA doesn't want the beam on frequently yeah so. it, it, uh, it's obvious what's being done out here yeah you know what it's it, it and it's getting ridiculous it's getting, yeah, it's getting ridiculous it, it's a nightly uh, it's a nightly basis <laughs> yeah maybe there's a conspiracy afoot we might have to we might have to uh investigate fish guy aka abe how you doing oh man i'm lost without the beam <laughs> it, to, it was guiding me i don't know what to do now you know the niners won That's yeah the, i know Kevar is really mad about that but <laughs> Yeah, he's pissed. And one, I know he's angry. You guys can't see him, but he's angry. He's punching the screen right now. But I'm crying. That's, all, that's the only thing that's keeping me alive right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, man. I'm gonna be honest. I, I, I was at the other. I was at the gym the other day, just being an alpha. And uh, it was, it was, it was on a night where the Kings lost. And when I left, you know, because my gym is downtown, I, I looked for the beam, couldn't find it, and. You know, I, I I was lost in life, like just didn't have a purpose. And then on top of that, I also got lost as far as like trying to get out of downtown because I was using the beam as a reference point for like two weeks. <laughs> that thing was like always on. So it's a shame. It's it's a shame it's gone. It was like a massive serotonin boost. That winning streak was like a drug. <laughs> like, and and I think we're all experiencing withdrawals right now. Like like other things have gone okay for us, I'm sure, outside of outside of the Kings. It's just Man, when they're when they're when they're winning, when they were winning and, and they were rolling, and it's something that we just hadn't experienced in so long. God, man, that that feeling—it just—I don't know. You 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 just you you want more, you know. So now now I definitely I, I definitely get where people are coming from, you know. Especially if your teams are good, it's like, oh yeah, like I, I I can totally understand why you love your team so much. And this is a feeling that we haven't had in a long time in Sacramento. So, you know, all good things must come to an end. They end up going one and two uh, one and two on their road trip. Uh, they sit at ten and eight. Heading into this upcoming week, uh, let's talk about that first game of the road trip uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies, the Kings eat out a victory. It probably should not have been that difficult, but they certainly kept it interesting up until the very end. Just some really, really poor decision making down the stretch. In a perfect world, 
the Kings would have just protected that lead and they would have gotten their starters plenty of rest heading into Atlanta the very next night. And then you can kind of tell the next night they were kind of affected by the fact that they had to play heavy minutes. So KFR, this 113-109 victory over the Grizzlies that gave the Kings their seventh consecutive win during that streak. Uh, what were your overall thoughts about that game? So we're going to remember this game as, you know, the Fox game because he really took over and is the biggest reason as to why the Kings won, even if the Kings did kind of fall apart down the stretch. Mm-hmm. He had, a like, I believe 32 and five or six threes, uh, probably five because I think six is his uh, career high. But Yeah, uh, so he was 32 on 11 of 21, and he was five of eight from three to go along with eight rebounds and six assists that night. Yeah, and I thought that he played well on defense too that game. Mm-hmm. Like, throughout... And just before I even talk about the game, Fox's defense this year, it's really been more than just on ball. The dude is locked in, like, in basically every aspect. Like, he, he's not missing assignments. He's not missing rotations anymore. And I just want to give him some credit for that. But, yeah, this game was uh, – if you remember, this was really the game that the Kings looked best on the defensive end. Like, that third quarter they had was easily the best stretch of basketball they've played on defense all season. Yeah, and it was, it was just like – they came in with the game plan. It was just – they every single jaw drive there was four dudes in the paint and they made him make that a kick out pass and he really wasn't making that pass he was looking to create for himself and mm-hmm. it led to a lot of bad decisions and then later on they sprinkled in some traps and blitzes and judges really had a lot of trouble with the uh, the defense in that game and that quarter specifically even when jaw got going late in the game he had a monster fourth quarter i don't think it was really attributed to bad defense or anything he had some points in transition, and the floaters he hit were really like tough contested shots by Sabonis or whoever else is in the paint. And he had like a ridiculous half court three. And <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that any of this stuff is like you can say, oh, you know, well, Fox got blown by, or mm-hmm. but Sabonis has to step up. I, I was fine with the defense all game on Jaw and how they played him. So I, I, I really think that uh, also Davion and Trey Lyles, I feel like were great defensively this game. And so I, I this is the game I probably feel best about the Kings defense and it I, I really do think that the halftime adjustments and you know at least making the defense collapse on jaw was a huge reason as to why the Kings won. And if it wasn't for that third quarter, Kings would have lost this game probably like twenty. Yeah, it was definitely back and forth. Um really just a a, a neck and neck affair uh, up until that third quarter where they, they gave themselves a cushion. And and in the fourth quarter, kind of kept it that way for a good while before all of a sudden they started folding against the press, which is just so interesting because I don't know teams don't press in the NBA for a reason. Oh yeah, <laughs> I want to. I do want to mention about that. I forgot about that fourth quarter, and I know me and a fish guy mentioned it a little bit. Mm-hmm. How do you pre- the Grizzlies were pressing the entire fourth quarter? Yeah. Okay. I they were playing good defense. You know the Kings were struggling with that regardless. But they didn't pick up their second team foul to like two minutes left in the game. Like, yeah. th- like there's there's no pressing defense in basketball that is not fouling more than one time in a stretch of ten minutes. Yeah, you got to give it up to the outstanding officials um, in the NBA. I, I think at this point we we don't talk about officials and how great they are. I think a lot of the times we don't give them their flowers, and uh, I I think I think I think generally speaking we just want to see the boys play, right? You know, you always hear it in movies. You know, somebody, somebody in the crowd's always saying, "You gotta let the boys play." I, I think, I think that's, I think that's where they were coming from that night, especially in the fourth quarter when the Grizzlies were pressing. 
Well, the I, problem was that, I, you know, I don't know. There's a certain uh, point guard in the Grizzlies that would kind of slide recklessly into the paint and uh, end up with multiple free throws. Yeah. And then also just like make not completely non basketball plays. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and just, and, and, not even not even attempt to actually score the ball or make a basketball move but still be rewarded with fouls i mean that's it's yeah and it's, I'm, not, it's, I'm not even saying the kings were like hoed that game by the refs i yeah. think the refs were just bad overall yeah 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 i i, I just think officiating nowadays is just it's, it's yeah it's at a, it's at a point where it's it's pretty bad just it's so inconsistent and and player to player everybody's officiated so differently it's it it just strives you nuts sometimes and and, and obviously we know that more than most fans because we watch our guy De'Aaron Fox just get absolutely dist- you know he gets he gets mauled on a nightly basis, and yet still puts up insane numbers at the at the rim, um, inside the restricted area, uh, and his scoring should be like I mean he's averaging twenty five points a game right now it should be way higher than that way higher than that because he should be getting to the line more but you know it is what it is, um, so the Kings sneak out of Memphis with a win, and then the very next night they got to go to Atlanta and Atlanta. You know, uh, these last couple of games since the Kings game, uh, they've, they've had a couple of rough losses here, but they are a playoff team. They look, you know, the, the Trey Young, DeJounte Murray pairing looks pretty good. looks like it's working out pretty well. And it just, it just looks like the Kings just kind of had tired legs that next night in Atlanta. Uh, they ended up losing 115-106. It really was just an off night for essentially everybody. Uh, everybody not named Malik Monk. Malik was awesome. Uh, he came in and he played a great game. But... Aside from him dropping 27 points on 12 of 18, everybody else, mm, you know, they just didn't have it. Fish guy, what was what was what was your assessment of that uh, of that Atlanta game on the second night of a back to back? Um, so I think the Kings actually like overall like they their shots weren't falling. I don't really hate their defense, like especially on the second night of a back to back. I didn't hate how they how they played defensively. Um. The Hawks gave them chances. The Kings were missing a lot of open looks. Like you said, it just probably came down to them having tired legs. Um, that happens. They were on the road. You know what I mean? Thanksgiving is the next day. I'm not mad at that loss at all. Like, like Those games are going to happen. You know what I mean? Especially because the Hawks are actually a pretty decent team too, defensively as well um, overall. but Yeah, shockingly, right? Like yeah. with Trey Young still playing heavy minutes, like they're like average defensively, which is shocking. Yeah, and I mean, DeJounte Murray is an elite defender. You know what I mean? Like, he's an yeah. all-NBA defender. Um, Clint Capella is a borderline all-NBA defender, too. So, like, and then DeAndre Hunter is a good defender. Like, when you surround a guy like Trey Young with defenders like them, obviously, you know, they're able to hide him, so their defense is going to get better. I will say, like, the way that Trey Young and John Morant play basketball, like, it's not basketball. They play, like, a Bush League style of basketball, man. I hate it. Like, and I'm not being biased. Like, I've held this same, like, stance on these two guys since forever, you know. They just, like, flail. You know what I mean? They throw their bodies around. They manipulate the rules, especially Trey Young. Like, I hate the way Trey Young plays basketball. It is not fun to watch him play basketball. Like, it's very annoying. Um, you know, overall, though, like, I feel like when when – De'Aaron Fox doesn't get calls, right? And he's getting, like, mauled or he's getting fouled. No calls happen. Um, You kind of see him. He kind of gets, like, 
I don't want to say nonchalant, but he settles for his jump shots. He gets he gets a little dejected, right? Yeah, like he his no his jumper's falling this year. Like, and I'm I'm very confident in him hitting his shots now, his jump shots. But like we know, De'Aaron Fox at his best when he's when he's attacking the basket, you know. But when he's not getting those calls, which is completely unfair, you know what I mean? Like guys like him and and Shea Gilgis Alexander, they don't get calls, and it's it's annoying, you know what I mean? Like because they don't complain. You know, and then when they do complain that very rare time, they get teed up. Yeah, they get teed up, like, right away. They make actual so, basketball moves so they don't get free throws. Yeah, yeah. Funny exactly. how that works. Right? It's, it's, and it's, it's corny to me how, how people can just manipulate the rules, right? right? Or take advantage of, you know, loopholes in the rule book and the refs won't call it. You know, or, I mean, it could be star power. I don't know. Who knows? But regardless... I, th- I think the Kings will be fine after the loss to Atlanta. I, I really was not mad about it. Like, I, w- I didn't watch the game and say, oh, God, same old Kings, you know, because we were in that game. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, again, like I said, we missed open shots. Um, I wish Sabonis and Fox were a little more aggressive, but at the same time, it's the second game of a back-to-back on a road trip the day before Thanksgiving. These guys probably wanted to go home. They deserved it. They won seven in a row. I'm not mad at them. Yeah, I- I'm right there with you. And, and and we all spoke about this. Like, there were multiple instances where it was just like, oh, my goodness. There's a wide-open three from HB, Trey Lyles, uh, Monk, Davion, whoever, to to get that game to within two possessions. And they just could not get any closer than, than like, six or seven points down the stretch. For whatever reason, they just they just were not hitting shots um, when they when they needed them the most. Uh, timely buckets that night. Just, just – it just wasn't in the cards. They looked tired. They looked like a team playing the second night of a back-to-back. And I'll go back to talk about the thing about Memphis and how they how they probably should have closed that game out better. But at the same time, I think we all as fans kind of have to be realistic as well because this team's still learning how to win. So it's really not all that surprising that they did let up there at the end against Memphis and let them back in that game because you know the Kings don't deserve the benefit of the doubt when it comes to, oh, yeah, they should be doing this. They should close out the game this way. It's just this team is still young. And they're still trying to find that 100% chemistry together. It's getting there. They look great out there on most nights, chemistry-wise. But there's still a lot of stuff that I'm sure, you know, nuances and little things that they need to figure out. And that's one of them is figuring out how to close games like a winning team should. All right, the last game of the road trip was against the Boston Celtics. And and look, people, if we told you that Kings versus Celtics on Friday, November 25th, 2022 would be a matchup between the two greatest offenses in the league. And not only that, but the Celtics would have the best offense of all time based on offensive rating. And the Kings would be the 11th best offense of all time going into that game based on offensive rating. Would you believe me? No, no. Although I predicted that for the season. I told both you guys, you guys have the receipts. You guys can, you know, post screenshots and help me out here. Vouch. Um, Yeah, whatever, dude. So, Look, the Celtics are a very, very good basketball team. I, I, I think everybody is aware of that fact. That team got to the NBA Finals last year. They had a turnover with the coaching change and everything like that and everything that happened with Ime Yudoka. Joe Mazzulla steps in, and it's been a basically a seamless transition. Their defense has taken a slight step back, but that offense is ridiculous. It is absolutely insane. Currently, they sit at 119.9 for offensive rating. To be a shade under 120 is absolutely ridiculous. That team can just fill it up. And 
at the beginning of that game, it was not looking good for the Kings. And yet, for some reason, the Kings are starting to do this thing where they work their way back into a game and just don't roll over and just give up, which is just shocking. I think it's like the Twilight Zone whenever that happens because we're so used to the Kings just getting absolutely blown out whenever they give up one big run. But they got back into the game. And then the Celtics just blitzed them at the end of the third quarter going into the fourth. A 37-6 to run after the Kings led 84-78 to late in the third quarter. Just absolutely blew that game wide open. So KFR, what'd you think? I mean, was that about how you expected things to go? Or were you a little bit more optimistic thinking that game probably should have been a bit closer against a title contender like the Celtics? No, I mean, I think we all kind of said one and two going into this week. None of us really thought that they would. We all just said we wanted to be close against the Celtics, and it really was. The Kings just did not make shots. Kind of like the Hawks game where they just, if you're not making your threes, and you're a team like the Kings that relies on their offense, you're not going to win, and especially against a team that's the best team in the NBA. And Mm -hmm. as for this game goes, I missed the first quarter live. And going back and rewatching that was disgusting because <laughs> just 10 turnovers and it feels like all of them were unforced. I, I don't know what happened, like why that team, why the Kings were so sloppy to start the game. But, uh, and the first two plays that I saw was like a KZ missed three and then KZ missed a layup and a drive. So <laughs> I'm, I'm like, all right, this is where we're at. You know, KZ's in the game. We're down by double digits. But then actually KZ is one that really kind of sparked the turnaround in the oh, second yeah. quarter. Mm-hmm. His defensive energy and it allowed the Kings to get going in transition because they actually got stops. And, you know, he had some big plays on like Brogdon and Tatum defensively. The only thing I'll say for his defense is he fouls too much, like way too much. He's super yeah. handsy, falls for pump fakes, and he never gives players landing spaces. But I think in, in spurts like that, he is good. He can come and give energy, kind of like Davion, just – in a wing version. But uh yeah, I mean and then after they got going, the Kings really kind of took control of that game and it wasn't until late in the third and Tatum started to take over. He mm-hmm. hit a couple tough shots and then it opened up his playmaking because the Kings started to blitz him and the one of the most underrated aspects of Tatum's game is dude's a really good passer. And oh, yeah. he was finding the open guys and just everyone on that Boston team, they're all such good playmakers and I mean, they they all they got three dudes in the court that can make, like, handle the ball and make decisions, and they're all finding the open man. And it's just it's so hard to stop when they have Tatum out there, but also Jalen and Smart and Pritchard and Brogdon and all these dudes are so good with the ball. Derek White, that that team is the best team in the league for a reason, and it's not like they were just hitting shots against the Kings. That team is hitting shots against everybody, and so I I don't think I don't think the Kings defense was particularly bad in this game. They just gonna you have to play perfect defense to beat that team. And if you don't, then they're going to have stretches like that where they score like 10 straight buckets and you go from being up six to down by 20. Yeah. I, I just, I just touched on how their defense isn't as crazy elite based on like numbers. Right. But that doesn't just all of a sudden leave your body simply because you know, you have a brand new coach. They, they can still defend. And the big reason why they went on a 37-6 to six run was because they were able to score, stop, score. They were just able to string all that together. And they got stops when they needed to. Snowballed all that along with just incredible shot making during that stretch. 
from not just their stars, but also their role players as well. Their bench, their bench is the best three point shooting bench by percentage in the league. Yeah, I will say there were just some unlucky moments, like you know, Jaw hitting a half court shot to get back in the game, and then Trey had a three where he got blitzed. So he's got two guys on him, and instead yeah. of passing it, he takes a he three just, from yeah, the logo take, and he hits takes it. a logo three. Yeah, and then Tatum in the last game to put him up by 10 he banks in a three it's just i mean some of these moments you could right. play good defense and you just get unlucky sometimes it's just yeah the way basketball is right right and 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 when it comes to good teams like the celtics it's like okay i i can't even really you know pin that on luck they're they're just they're just really fucking good so yeah it was really one big run that did them in and 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 look the kings have shown that they can recover from one big run they gave up a couple of fairly sizable runs in that first half to expect them to give up two pretty big runs in the first half to dig themselves a hole and then give up another huge run in the third quarter going into the fourth. I mean, you can't expect the Kings the way that they're currently constructed right now, especially in their third game in four nights to, you know, to, to be able to, to be able to combat that. So I, it's, it was just one of those, all right, man, like we don't even really have to watch the film on this one. We can burn the tape. Like just, we'll go back to the drawing board We'll just take this L and we'll just keep it pushing. Um, Abe, you have you have some Boston Celtics friends, right? Uh, fans of the team. What was the tenor coming from them heading into this game? Were they? I mean, I'm I'm sure they're a little bit surprised by how well the Kings were playing, but you know, were they like overly confident? Like, oh yeah, we're just gonna take care of business. It's just the Kings, or was it a little bit different this time? No, uh, actually. I'm in a chat and I'm in a group chat with like five other guys. They're all Celtics fans or four or five other guys. They're all Celtics fans. And, uh, you know, we're all talking before the game, like a few hours before the game. And, you know, one of my friends actually asked me, he's like, Hey, should I take the, uh, the King seven and a half, uh, spread? Yeah. I think it's gonna be a close game. I'm like, I mean, I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, listen, the Kings are either going to win or they're going to get blown out. I was like, I'm telling you now, it's it's not going to be one or the other. I was like, they're on the road in the garden. They never play well in the garden. Um, the Celtics are the best team in basketball. I said, I was like, listen, if the Aaron, I literally said verbatim, if the Aaron Fox and Tamonte Sabonis are not taking over this game, you guys are going to destroy us. And then my friend was like, well, I'm going to take the seven and a half anyways, because I don't trust the Celtics because Celtics fans, they have this thing in their mind where the Celtics always blow leads. Yeah. Which they kind of did. Yeah. You know, they, they, did. Had, they had a 14 point lead in the first quarter. And then they blew it, and then we took a six-point lead. And in the chat, they're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and I was like, listen, guys, GGs, trust me. Once once you guys come back, you know, the Kings look tired. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was explaining them to them the whole time, like, I'm not confident. And I even said before, I was like, all right, we're going to lose this game. But um, overall, they didn't, like, they weren't disrespecting us. They, they had a lot, like, just... Celtics fans that I have that, that are friends, they they definitely respected the Kings and they respected our offense. Um, specifically, they were worried about Sabonis. Mm-hmm. You know, and Sabonis had a decent game, but overall, they were like, they were definitely like, all right, the Kings are they're dangerous. We we can't take them, you know, lightly. Yeah, which is not normal for other fans of teams yeah, like just 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 other teams fans to just even give the kings even just like a, a smidge of respect it's just it's it's it, it's it's just it's so weird but i mean it, it's it's good to see and and this was something that i um that i pointed out after after the game you know through 18 games the kings are 10 and 8 obviously 
but they've only they've only lost two games by double digit uh, by double digits and this was really the first game so it took 18 games for them to thoroughly get their asses whooped you know and, and that's just that's not normal right here in Sacramento we're we're so used to seeing this team just get battered you know like multiple times within the first 10 games and then kind of just give up on the season from that point moving forward Mike Brown you really got to give it to Mike Brown you got to give credit to his staff you have to give credit to this group. I mean, these guys are these guys are a little bit different. You know, they're 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 playing for each other. They they believe in one another, and they have a lot of resilience, which is just that that is not a word that you would associate with with just the Sacramento Kings organization in general, really. Like the only time they showed resilience that that ever mattered over the past sixteen years, it wasn't even really the team. It was the fans. The fans said, "No, you're not leaving Sacramento," and then they stayed and then continued to absolutely suck ass. So for them to actually show some fight and show some heart and show some resilience through these first 18 games, it's, it's been really impressive and it's been very, very refreshing to see. So I think if you're a moral victories kind of person, if you're a silver linings kind of person, then you should definitely look at that and take pride in that fact that this team just doesn't lie down and just take it from teams that are just gonna, that are just gonna, that should on paper beat the shit out of them. You know, they've been competitive in every single game this season. So. Yeah. So I do want to say one thing about, uh, you brought up the point where the Kings, you know, they had to dig themselves out of a hole. So I, I, I was looking up, uh, I got very curious. So I wanted to look up the Kings stats and I actually tweeted it out. I want to look up the Kings stats by quarter, right. And where they rank in specific, you know, categories. Um, and let me tell you the Kings, in the first quarter are by all metrics the second or third worst team in the NBA. Like they are a very bad first quarter team. I don't know why. That's just like the epitome of Darian Darren Fox's career. Like <laughs> he's like a guy who just turns up later in, in the games, later in the seasons. Um, but so I'm gonna give you these numbers real quick. The Kings in the first quarter, and I'm gonna give you Every quarter stat. It's insane, by the way. Insane. The Kings in the first quarter of every season, I mean, of every game this season, they are number 21 in field goal percentage, number 25 in three-point percentage, number 25 in rebounding, number 23 in plus-minus, number 28 in defensive rating, and number 22 in net rating. Okay? Not good at all. Very bad. Okay? Um, the Kings in the second quarter, are number one in field goal percentage, number five in three-point percentage, number 21 in rebounding, number five in plus-minus, number 14 in defensive rating. We are an average defensive team in the second quarter, okay? And then we're number five overall, the fifth-best team in the NBA in net rating in the second quarter. And in the third quarter, we're 16th in field goal percentage, 15th in three-point percentage, 18th in rebounding, 8th in plus-minus, Sixth in defensive rating. Sixth best team. In, and you can tell when you watch the games, the Kings are a very good third quarter team. And then they're number eight overall in that league in the third quarter. And then finally in the fourth quarter, they're number three in field goal percentage, number 10 in uh, three-point percentage, number 25 in rebounding, number 11 in plus minus, number 29, though, in defensive rating, and then number 12 overall in net rating. So you you just watching the games, you know the Kings are a bad first quarter team and a great second quarter team and a great third quarter team. They're, they're a decent fourth quarter team. Like they hit their shots, but 
you know, as a number say, our defense in the fourth quarter is terrible. Second worst team in the league defensively. Um, but overall, if the Kings can clean up that first quarter stuff, you're going to start seeing them. And I imagine Mike Brown's going to fix that. Like I, I, I'm sure that they, the Kings coaches see these numbers. You know what I mean? I'm sure they watch the film, you know? Yeah. So if they can clean this up, the Kings can be a very, very, very good basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, I don't know, man, it's just, it's just weird seeing this team play well in the third quarter. Like, that 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 was like the cursed quarter for like the past for like the past 15 seasons 15 16 seasons like they, they're just not good coming out of halftime traditionally for mike brown to turn that around he he, he definitely deserves credit there i mean i i cannot we, we, we we've, we've lost track of the times where we where we were able to count like <laughs> how many times this team comes out after halftime and just absolutely gets blitzed by their team like the coach is calling a timeout within like three minutes you know they don't even get to that first media timeout in the third quarter without a timeout because the team's just so bad coming out after halftime and they just typically don't make adjustments but mike brown and his staff have been all over it this year they really really do deserve a lot of credit for getting these guys going in the right direction as far as like coming out after halftime and actually making making positive things happen um you did touch on casey apollo for a little bit there kfr um Based on his play in that game, though, for that short, well, I mean, he played, it says here he played 21 minutes, but, you know, it, he he looked a threat at times on offense, which really was the issue early on in the season, right? I think the coaching staff saw what he wasn't giving out there on offense, and they kind of thought to themselves, well, why would we play a guy who's just going to be a negative on offense? Like, we can't play four and five on offense. It doesn't matter how potent the other players are out there with him, right? He's great defensively, but he kind of hamstrings the offense. If he does what he does, or if he continues doing what he did on Friday against the Celtics, I mean, it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor, right? I mean, do you think he's earned a, a longer look these next few games because of what he did on Friday against the Celtics? Yeah, and I actually have. So according to Basketball Index, of all players on the Kings, he has the toughest matchup difficulty, but he also has the best defensive field goal percentage at 42%. <laughs> That's nuts. Which is, he's only played like 50-something minutes in the season. But still, like this is a dude that he was just guarding Tatum and Jalen Brown. All those 21 minutes were basically on those two guys. And I don't know what the numbers were in that game, but that's just kind of the story of the season. Like in the Portland game, he was guarding Damian Lillard. He guards those guys, okay? He's a huge plus in the defensive end, as long as he's not fouling, like I said earlier. But, uh, I mean, he looked aggressive in that Boston game. Like he wasn't shy about launching threes and, you know, I don't expect him to shoot like 35% from three, but if he at least will, you know, take the open threes and, you know, hit hit him at like a 30% clip, that's good enough for me. And I think he is effective in transition. We saw that a few times, you know, he can handle the ball a little bit. And I, I don't know about like his driving ability total. I don't know if he's like some like great finisher. I, he, on the couple drives that I saw, he was a little bit out of control, mm-hmm. but, uh, I liked what he gave offensively. I think that it in the right role, you know, as long as he's spotting up. But I do like him having the ability to push the ball in transition and, and you know, be aggressive and drive when you can. But, you know, don't force it. You know, it's okay to kick it out and just give someone else a chance to attack a closeout. But his defensive is such a huge plus that I think that you want to find minutes for him. It, yeah, a lot of the Kings' problems on defense could be solved by just playing him more. 
uh, it, it, it's obviously a lot more complicated than that, though. You know, you have to be able to make all the pieces fit, and you have to have the right people out there with him in order to, in order to, in order to make him at least seem like he's worth guarding on the offensive end. Because if not, then you know teams can just you know put two on the ball against Sabonis on, or Fox or Monk or whoever it is out there facilitating, and it just makes things a lot more difficult um, for the team out there on offense. So that's a riddle that they're going to have to solve the coaching staff. But I have no doubt in my mind that they will figure that out somehow and and like you said if he's just like hovering around 30 percent from three he at least will take the open looks um he if he can just be a basketball player and just make the right reads and you know when to cut when to drive that kind of thing i think that sets him up for a much bigger role going forward and and honestly big ups to him because he was a dmp cd for a long stretch of the season before that boston game and he came ready to play when when he was called upon. So good for him. Abe, I want to give you the floor here. You addressed this on Twitter. You've talked uh, a lot about this, uh, really just in general, you know, on this podcast, and and you know, even in conversations in in our group chats and group texts and all that stuff. Keegan Murray's struggling right now. We know that, you know, just by watching him out there. If you watch the games, you know he's having a hard time. But there are reasons for that. And I don't think any of us are the type of people to make excuses for somebody, but it is a little bit tough to see fans not take into account the human element of all this, right? And Keegan's dealing with some personal stuff and a bit of a back injury as well. And you've seen some pretty, I mean, I think we've all seen some pretty nasty stuff said about Keegan over these last few weeks when he's been struggling. Hey, people got to chill on Keegan. What's your What's your message to the people who have just been really kind of out of pocket to this guy <laughs> towards this guy ever since he's 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 you know ever since the slump has has happened so i mean overall like me personally how i am andrew we mean you've had conversations like this over the years a million times we don't put super high expectations on rookies right for their rookie year right because that's just not fair you know, Keegan didn't come and get drafted to his team to be the savior. Keegan got drafted to be a piece. You know what I mean? So, for fans to, you know, I talked about it on Twitter, you know, and a lot of, I blocked a lot of people on Twitter. I don't block people often. You know what I mean? And a lot of people on Twitter were saying, Keegan's a bust. He's garbage. We need to trade him. We need to bench him. He shouldn't be playing anymore. This and that. And I'm like, dude, first of all, you don't know what a player is going through mentally. You never do, right? And on top of that, when you say these things, sometimes players go on social media and they see these things. You know what I mean? And so when you're saying this, instead of lifting them up, you're tearing them down. That can probably affect him even more. You know what I mean? And Keegan's obviously a very good kid. You know what I mean? He's a very good guy. Like, you can tell just the way that he holds himself. You know what I mean? The way he carries himself. Like, he's just a, a you know wonderful human being. You know what I mean? Even his dad has been critical of him, but like obviously his dad's allowed to be critical of him, but even his dad has been critical critical of him and fans are tweeting at his dad saying stupid things. You know what I mean? Like there there has to be like a there there has to be a line, you know, that fans shouldn't cross. There is a line that fans shouldn't cross, and that's that's where it is. Like you can you can feel a certain way about a player, you can be disappointed in his performance, and you can voice that disappointment but you shouldn't be trashing the guy you know he's a young kid 22 years old a rookie in the nba a rookie 
in the NBA and you guys are sitting there trashing him, like I can only imagine what people would say if the Kings were bad. You know what I mean? And if the Kings were bad, people would be going in on him. And you know, this is why I love Mike Brown. You know why I love Mike Brown? When we were getting blown out by the Celtics, what did Mike Brown do? He kept Keegan Murray in the fourth quarter during the blowout. And anybody that plays basketball, that knows basketball, anybody that's been around the NBA, they know when a coach does that, keeps a player that's struggling in the game in the fourth quarter or a rookie or someone, it's for one reason, one reason only. It's for him to get his shots up, him to get his confidence back, him to get some easy looks against some, you know, second and third stringers. You know what I mean? And I appreciate Mike Brown for doing that because Mike Brown, that's one guy, he's just like, he understands the human element of basketball. You know what I mean? He's been around the block for 20 years, 20-something years. You know what I mean? Um, I just don't appreciate fans the way that they, like, what do they expect Keegan Murray to be? Did you guys expect Keegan Murray to be the best player in the NBA? Scratch that. Did you expect him to be even the best player on the Kings? Scratch that. Did you even expect him to be the top three player on the Kings this year? He's a rookie on a very, I would say, not a very talented team, but a pretty damn talented team. You know what I mean? And he's not playing heavy minutes. He's not playing 35, 40 minutes a game. You know, so what are you guys expecting out of him? I don't think he's been like a net negative on the court because guess what? We still have a top 10 uh, starting lineup in the NBA with Keegan Murray on the court when he's playing. So he's clearly starting and the coaches clearly see something, you know, out of him. So what makes these fans smarter than the coaching staff to say Keegan Murray should be benched? He should be playing. What, because he's struggling? He's in a shooting slump? Come on. The first three games he played, he was balling out, shooting the ball lights out, and now you guys hate the guy? No. I. If anyone talk, is, is, is trashing Keegan Murray on Twitter, I'm just going to block them. Like, I'm not like uh, a Keegan Murray super fan. I love the guy, but I'm not a super fan. It's just going to, you know, kill for him. But you know what? I think I will. <laughs> you know what I mean? At that point, it's just people are just so – out of pocket, you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's just disrespectful, you know what I mean? Like, they – one thing that, that bothers me, that they didn't do this with De'Aaron Fox. And De'Aaron Fox didn't have a great rookie year. He had a bad rookie year, actually. Oh, it was horrible. You know? it, it was like yeah. – yeah, you yeah, a lot of people – I mean, there, obviously there was a small, very, very vocal minority that, was, that were just like, oh, we spent the you know fifth overall pick on this guy. But I think a lot of us were pretty realistic – Right about about the you know what Fox's trajectory was going to be and what kind of player he he could become and that it was going to be a struggle for him at first. It is weird how Keegan's not afforded that same that that same you know that the 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 leash isn't as long for Keegan for some reason. I don't get it. I'll give you another example. You know who struggled a lot with the Kings and you know he had he definitely had his moments. But you never heard Kings fans say a word. They didn't say a peep. Actually, they went to war for this guy. It was Bogdan Bogdanovich. He he wasn't playing great his, his rookie year or his second year. He was okay. You know, he definitely had his moments where he was really good, right? But you never heard a Kings fan say, Bench Bogey, don't let him play ever again. He sucks. Trade him, <laughs> cut him, do something. No, you never heard that. It's this weird thing where it's probably Kings fans who didn't like the Keegan Murray pick to begin with. And they they are setting him themselves. They're setting him up for disaster on purpose. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. KFR, you want to chime in on this? It's like we've seen how good Keegan is. We know the player that he is. We saw him in summer league. He won MVP mm-hmm. in preseason. He looked like the best of all the rookies. And he, even to begin his NBA career, the dude was 
putting up ridiculous numbers, shooting at like 45% from three. Yeah. He's not afforded a few games of, you know, obviously his confidence is kind of shot. You know, he just doesn't look like Keegan right now. He's not comfortable handling the ball. He's not comfortable driving, really doing anything. But he's just not a he's Kings fans are just not giving him a break at all. It's just ridiculous. And like you guys said, they they really gave these kind of breaks to guys like Boogie and Fox. But it's been a few games with the Keegan at every other avenue we've seen him from college to preseason to his first few games in the NBA. He's been so good, but just a few games. I don't know. Maybe it's just because the expectations of the team are different because the Kings are winning games. So now. You know, any, any player that performs bad, it just gets magnified, and I don't, I don't know. I it really makes no sense. I don't understand how he can get so much hate. It's not even like he's, Abe said, it's not like he's a terrible player. Player, he's still averaging like eleven, ten points per game. His percentages aren't great, but I mean, you would expect with how much hate that he's been getting that be averaging like five points, shooting ten percent. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous that it's like he gets blamed for every loss. Like we're at the point where. A rookie is a scapegoat. Like he's the new Willie Cauley Stein. Every loss is going to be on him. <laughs> like, like that's just I, no. Okay, I, I don't understand. The fans need to grow up if they're the ones that are hating on Keegan. And uh, there, there, there's something wrong. Uh, yeah, and, and I, and I hate, and I hate when I hate when we talk about these things and we say Kings fans, Kings fans, because, because I hate that we're framing it as if we're dissociating ourselves from the fan. We're part of the fan base. Like, and, and, and the number one thing for me when it comes to fandom is you should, you should never tell anybody else how to be a fan, right? You be a fan, however you want to be, but man, some of the stuff that's being said about Keegan Murray is so crazy and don't and, be hateful about a 22 year old kid that is yeah. nothing but be a great kid ever since he's been a king yeah like be be a fan however you want to be a fan just don't be a piece of shit you know like, <laughs> i guess that's what it like i guess for lack of a better phrase or term like just don't just don't do that i i saw some like he, he hit a three late in that in, in that celtics game and and somebody on my timeline said Oh, Keegan Knox hit a three. Yay. Comparing him to Kevin Knox. It's like, what? You know, like that's disrespectful to Keegan and also to Kevin Knox too. That's kind of mean. Yeah. Like people were saying, oh, I knew he was a, like the reply guys. And we've all dealt with them. There's like a, there's like a, a smattering of reply guys on King's Twitter who never tweet out their own tweets themselves. They just reply to other people's tweets. And I've seen the, the um the the tweets that go uh oh i knew he was going to be a bust i i knew that i knew that i knew that the summer the summer league mvp thing was was just fake and it was just a flash in the pan and he was never gonna be a he was never gonna you know his his, his skills were never and his talent were never gonna be scalable to the nba and yada 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 it's like all right wow way to take your victory lap in in november <laughs> on a guy who's just starting his career right like it's it's absolutely nuts what's going on and and this is kind of what I was afraid of guys and and I think we all kind of realized that this was going to be a possibility the Kings aren't even like a a, a yeah I mean they're they're getting there right like they're on they're on a good trajectory to be a good team but when the Kings are actually good or great like oh my gosh I I, I can't even seeing how like Warriors fans and like <laughs> like Lakers fans and all those guys like when they when they talk amongst themselves about actual good teams about watching actual good basketball. 
it, it just it, it makes it makes me want to just like gouge my my eyes out and just like just just I, I, I want to be deaf because it's just like you guys are talking about a team as if they're like two and 70 right now when they're clearly about to go to the playoffs right I, I hate that we're at that point where you can already kind of tell like if this Kings team ever actually becomes legitimately good Oh my goodness! Like, like the 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 debates and just the arguments and the infighting is just going to be so annoying and it's going to be so ridiculous because we're not even at that point yet and people are trashing a twenty two a twenty two year old rookie who, like you said, KFR produced at a very high level the first five games of his career before a personal issue popped up and then a back injury popped up. And they're not giving him any slack. It's unbelievable. I, I we we could probably go on and on about this, but we'll just leave it at this. People, be nice to Keegan. Just be just be nice in general. Jesus, like, like we, we've seen some pretty crazy stuff being said over these uh, over these last two losses. Please be nice to each other. You know, be a fan however you want. Just like, be nice. Like the, the holidays are here, for fuck's sake. Like, you know, let, let, let's get in the holiday. Let's get in the holiday spirit. Um, all right, we'll move on to the offense and the defense. Uh, the offense, as it stands right now, is still the second best offense in the NBA. Uh, the Kings have an offensive rating of one sixteen, guys. Uh, the gap has kind of, you know, the Suns and the Jazz have kind of closed the gap between uh, third and fourth place and second place with the Kings because for a while it was kind of just the Kings and the Celtics like in their own stratosphere. Um, but this team's still still generally doing really, really well in offense. Um, seemed like they kind of ran out of gas these last couple of games. But uh, the ball's still moving. I think we're still seeing a lot of good things. I think really what what helped propel the Celtics past the Kings during that 37 to six run they had was the fact that the Kings were settling, right? Like no paint touches, not really moving the ball around settling for a lot of shots. And that's, that was so rare to see because we, we just were not seeing that the previous 17 games. And that's not going to be a trend. That's Mike Brown and the coaching staff going to watch the tape and be like, no, we're not doing that again. Um, KFR confidence level on the offense though. I mean, I, I think an 18 game sample size is a big enough sample size to, to really say, yeah, this this offense is a legit top five offense, right? They just had back-to-back terrible shooting nights. They still scored 100 points, and they're still the second-best offense. I think that should kind of speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Like, what they shot against the Celtics from three, that's not going to hold for the rest of the... That's unrealistic. No. This team has way too much talent to be shooting that poor consistently. As good of a team as the Celtics are, and, you know, they did play good defense. And the... I will speak on De'Aaron Fox because he did struggle back-to-back offensively as well, and that's just something we haven't seen from him all season. I don't know if he had like one like poor efficient game up until this point, and then he had back-to-back. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think in the Atlanta game, Fox was kind of forcing. I think that he was settling. He kind of sensed the, that he needed to take over the game for the Kings to win, and I, I think that was kind of like a fair assessment. I think the Kings probably did need him to kind of take over because nobody else was hitting shots in that game. And, you know, Fox all season has been that guy. You know, we've relied on him to make those tough shots down the stretch in games, and sometimes he's just not going to hit him. And I think that happened in the Atlanta game. And I think it was Abe that mentioned he kind of gets dejected when, you know, calls aren't going his way, and he'll settle for jumpers. I thought even Capella did a good job in that game. You know, he got a few blocks on Fox in the paint. And in the paint, I think Fox shot like 4 of 10 in that Atlanta game, which... Again, unusual for a dude that shoots like 80% at the rim. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as a point guard. <laughs> Which is yeah, and then, and then the Celtics game, I mean, he took 17 shots, nine of them were threes. 
And a lot of credits to Boston because they gapped him like crazy. Oh, yeah, they did. Fox would get a switch, but there'd be two dudes in the paint. There's no driving lanes. Like, if he drives, it's going to be a kickout. And so Fox would just end up settling. And he ended. He hit three of the threes. So, I mean, it's not like he shot atrocious, but... I mean, there's only so much you can do. That team had so they clogged the paint every time Fox had the ball. You know, they were gonna make other players beat him. And the, I mean, the Kings shot like 20 percent from three. Other players did not beat them. So I, I'm not concerned about Fox's struggles. I'm not concerned about the Kings' struggles. These games happen. They were on the road against really good teams, and they were three games in four nights. A lot of reasons, uh, not to give them excuses, but you know. A lot, a lot of things were going against them. They were going to have nights like this coming off a seven-game win streak. Yeah, hundred percent. I and and I, you, you talk about that Boston game and and how poorly they shot. I mean, it wasn't all that great in Atlanta either. But um, I mean, I just don't think you're going to see this team shoot nine of thirty-six from three. That's twenty-five percent. I mean, the, the the Kings are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league, and they and they're one of the best assist teams in the league as well. And and they were well below their average that night. 20 assists means the ball just wasn't really moving around guys just weren't hitting shots that's that's that that's an outlier game 100 on offense uh the kings on defense though and we and we've kind of touched on it throughout this episode and really we talk about it a lot but yeah, there are a lot of things to clean up on that end they did move up two spots though in defensive rating the kings are now 25th guys and the uh the quest for the 20th best defensive rating is 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 still very well in play um, the Hawks did give the Kings a lot of chances. They really did. Uh, they missed a lot of open shots. Uh, the Grizzlies didn't necessarily have it for most of the game uh, in Memphis either. Uh, not having Desmond Bain, obviously, that's that's gonna that's gonna affect how well your offense runs. And then Boston's Boston. I mean, you know, Kings hung up with them for about three quarters, and then they did the thing where they just they do the thing where they just where they just go on a they just go on a rampage and they just score a whole bunch of points uh, in a flurry. The defense, though, Abe, what have you seen? Better? I mean, you've mentioned that the Kings, you see good things from the defense, but this past week, right? I mean, you, I mean, KFR pointed out, like, in, in Memphis, that third quarter was spectacular defensively. Um, you know, even in spurts against Boston, you know, when they were making their way back into that game and, and, and reclaimed the lead, we saw some good things. I mean, what did you see this past week from the defense, and, and, and what's, the, what's the trend with them? Um, I've always been a little optimistic on the Kings defense just because we've talked about how they are at the point of attack. They're, they're better than average. I'd say maybe average, you know, um, they obviously don't have good, uh, paint defense and rim protection. Um, we talked about that before in past episodes because of Sabonis, but Sabonis has actually been like really good defensively. In my opinion, I actually no, not in my opinion, statistically, he's been like a really good defender, you know? and it's because we don't really put him in, in, in drop as much as, you know, he was before, like in last season, uh, for example, and in, uh, in Indiana. So the Kings are, I guess, hiding him and in, in protecting him in that, in that part of the game. But I think that the Kings, what they're best at, and I think we're going to start seeing it, like, amplified, their transition defense is really good. They have really, really, really good transition defense, in my opinion. Um, the numbers I think show that they're I think they're around the top ten uh, transition defense. Uh, I haven't checked their numbers this past week, 
Um, I know that last week before this three-game stretch, we were top 10 in transition defense. Um, I, I'm sure we probably dropped out because we had a couple of bad games. But in general, I, I don't think that – I don't think that teams are are getting easy buckets on us. Like we had – Jason Tatum was working. You know, Jason Tatum's an MVP candidate. You know, he's probably the MVP, the leading MVP candidate this year. And like KFR said, like, you know, we threw guys like KZ at him and it was making life hard for him, but he hits difficult shots. You know, there was a couple of plays where I seen with KZ where he was smothering Jason Tatum and Jason Tatum hit, hit like back-to-back fadeaway mid-range shots. You know, like nothing really you can do. The Kings are just unlucky, you know, we're the Kings. So that happens. You know, um, Tatum looked like an MVP that game. 100%. Yeah, he definitely did. He looked like the MVP. Exactly. So for Kings fans to complain about the MVP going off and the Kings fans are mad that Stephen Curry dropped 40, Stephen Curry is probably the second leading MVP candidate this year. What do you, what do you guys want? You guys want him to score zero or that's, that's not going to happen. I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what I want. Uh, I want Mike Brown to put Matthew Dellavedova in the game and just cause bodily harm. Um, that's that's a possibility. That's how you stop them. Yeah, you just hurt somebody. Yeah, take out. You know, that's, I mean, that's, if you do the yeah, then they'll then they'll play like on their toes. You know, they won't yeah. really want to play as aggressive. Yeah, then what? no, but exactly. But overall, like, I do think that adding a rim protector in the second unit is gonna change. And I've said this a million times. It's gonna change the direction of the entire team because our defense is not bad in the starting lineup. Our offense is elite in the starting lineup. You know, our defense is actually really good in the starting lineup. Um, it's when that second unit comes in, it's just very poor defense. It's very good offense, but very, very, very poor defense. You know, yeah, you have Malik Monk, who's a pretty decent defender. Yeah, you have Davion, who's an elite defender. But Chemezi Metu gets picked on and gets attacked a lot because he's undersized for the five. You know, and then you have... You have guys like Trey Lyles, who I think Trey Lyles is a pretty good defender, but he's asked to do too much because he's carrying a lot of weight that like our, our help defense in the paint is what saves us sometimes. Like we have very opportunistic defenders on the uh on the bench unit. Like Trey Lyles, you'll see him, he gets steals and blocks. Like this guy's all over the place on defense. The same thing with Davion. Like he gets a lot, of, like he disrupts the passing lanes. Um that's another thing, by the way, I want to mention. The Kings against the Grizzlies were, like, elite in the passing lanes. They had, like, maybe 100 deflections. It was crazy. They set their season high in steals, I think, um, that game. I have to double-check. But they – that's an example of how the Kings can change the trajectory of their defense. You're not good in the paint. Well, if you stop them in the paint by – being disrupted in the passing lanes, cutting people off, that can hide our other defensive issues. You know what I mean? But I think that once we do get that rim-protecting big off the bench, that'll save Mike Brown a, a big headache, you know, overall. And now, now that, that's not to say that Chemezi Metu won't play anymore. Chemezi Metu still, like, you know, he's offering a lot of rim running. He's offering a lot of verticality. He's offering a lot, like, even three-point three shooting. You know, um, it's just, Right now, I think he's the biggest weakness uh, defensively. And until we address that, we're going to see the same old story. You know, and I'm sure Monty's probably on the phones already, you know, trying to fix that. Okay, uh, I got a question for you guys. Are you guys a that boy nice 
watcher of basketball or are you a uh, an analytics watcher of basketball? You guys have seen that meme, right? Where the two guys sitting on the bus. Where, where do you guys where do you guys sit? Um, that boy I nice. Think, <laughs> I, I think I'm a that boy nice uh, watcher of basketball. Okay. As as okay. a Jalen Green fan, I think I have. <laughs> Again, as, as a green hater, I'm a uh, that boy nice fan. Uh, again, uh, KFR sneaking in his Fresno bias, and then Abe sneaking in his anti Fresno bias. Uh, okay, so I just want to throw something at you guys real quick, and this is this is coming on the heels of what Abe just said about Chemezi Metu. Our good friend John Catterson, CatterJ12 at Twitter. Everybody, follow him now. Uh, if you don't, there will be consequences. Send me screenshots of you following John. John's a fantastic follow. He tweeted out earlier today. DeMontis Sabonis has a 56.2% defensive field goal percentage at the rim, which is not bad. And who's right below him at 56.3%? Chemezi Metu. At, on 32 field goal attempts at the rim, he's guarding guys at a 56.3% clip. He's not bad, which is weird because... As eh, I guess I kind of toe the line. Maybe I'm an analytics guy and a that boy nice watcher, but most of the time I'm a that boy nice watcher. I'm definitely like a, a that boy nice watcher, like in the moment, right? I mean, Chemezi gets absolutely bullied by 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 bigger opponents, right? Like it, it just it just doesn't seem like that number checks out. But that that is according to NBA.com. He's at fifty six point three percent field goal percentage against as a defender, which is kind of shocking. Thoughts? Well, you you got to remember. He's only playing how many minutes a game? Right, yeah. So this is on 32. This is only on 32 field goal attempts at the rim. Yeah, like that's he did mention yeah, that in the tweet. So it's 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 a small sample size. And like you said, he gets bullied, you know. And I will say, like I said, our bench unit is very opportunistic, you know, uh on defense. They'll get their blocks, they'll get their steals, but that's like um, for example. People saying, um, I'm trying to think of a defender that Robert Covington drew. We were just talking about him last night. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Right. Analytics, right? Like, not, I'm sorry, not, not advanced analytics, but, you know, basic analytics say that Robert Covington, you know, he has a high steal rate. He has a decent block rate. But guess what? If you watch him play, he is not a good defender. He is a objectively a bad defender. You know what I mean? And, that's the thing with with guys like Robert Covington and Chemezi Metu. If you look at the, the the numbers, you're like, oh, you know, they're pretty decent. They must be pretty good at basketball. They must be pretty good on defense. You know, they must be that boy nice, right? And then you watch, and you're like, oh my god, someone help, someone help him. <laughs> but I don't blame Chemezi because, like I said, he's a small ball five. He shouldn't be playing the five. Yeah. He's a natural four. You know what I mean? He's like six nine, six ten. You know, it's just who's just like super vertical, you know what I mean? Super athletic. So, again, it's not his fault. I don't blame him. He's only, you know, he's doing what he's been asked to do. But when you watch the game, as a, as a ball knower, when you watch the game, he's not he's not great on defense. Yeah, there's no scheme that works for him at the five. Like, no, no. You, you'll try drop. The dude is undersized. He's going to get destroyed. Mm-hmm. There will be games, you know, where like when they play the Warriors, they'll switch everything with Chimezi in the game. Chimezi can't guard yeah. one through four. Like those guys will torch him. And we've seen that like time and time again. Every time he gets switched onto a guard or a wing, it's an instant blow by it. He offers like all the mobility that Domas has. Like Dom- Sabonis really doesn't get blown by like that. 
he's able to at least like make them turn once and you know make, make the guard work. Chemezi doesn't. It's a straight line drive every time that dude's out, that dude's out in the perimeter. So you know he's just not a five. Like you can't play. There's no scheme at all that works for him. He doesn't have the size. He doesn't have the lateral quickness, the mobility. So yeah, I mean, I like Chemezi and Spurs. I think that you know there are games where he clearly works. Like he offered us that verticality and you know he he rim runs he's gonna get you like six to eight points a game just because he hustles and runs up the court yeah but he's offers like in the half court he really offers you nothing because he can't space the floor he's not a great passer he can finish lobs but i mean if your only value is being a dunker spot big that that's not too much value for you know the king's offense that relies on motion and their five needs to be able to you know create and play make and be used as a hub and as a five, if you're just getting torched in every coverage, then it's hard to find a spot for you. So, yeah, if the Kings get just a backup five that can play more consistently than Chemezi, like an everyday backup five, not just uh, here and there in the right situation against the right team that also has an undersized backup five. If you can just find somebody, your defense will improve so much because, like Abe said, Sabonis is a good defender. I know that people are get so enamored by the block stat for bigs. Blocks don't make you a good defender. If that was the case, Hassan Whiteside would be <laughs> starting center in the NBA right now. Just because Sabonis doesn't get blocked, that doesn't mean he's a bad defender. His scheme, the scheme we play, does not. It puts him in a position where he's not even asked to do that. We don't play drop coverage yeah. at all. Like the, the dude is at the level of the screen every time, and I don't think people understand how much we're asking him to do on the defensive end. And he's he's really like he makes all the right rotations, and he 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 never messes up in terms of lapses, me- mental lapses, he's always where he needs to be. He just doesn't have the verticality to block shots once people get to the rim. And I think it's more on the Kings. If you look at the Kings starting lineup, one and five, like I tweeted this the other day, Fox and Sabonis reviewed as the weak leaks going in. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been the Kings two best defenders in the starting lineup. Yeah. The the problem have, has been Herder's struggle to the point of attack. Yep. Barnes has struggled in more at the point of attack, but also at the point of attack. Yeah. Keegan has struggled also pretty much every aspect. So, I mean, if you have three of your, three of your five starters are struggling to guard on ball, you're, I mean, you're not going to have success like consistently, even, even with the having good numbers and starting lineup on a, on the defensive end, I, I think it's still asking way too much to have three subpar defenders in the starting lineup at the point of attack when you don't have a rim protector to be able to account for that. Yeah. And, and I, and I got to shout you out KFR cause you posted clips of Sabonis and Fox, um, not being the weak links and what they offer on defense. And, and for anybody who wants to check that out, you know, go to Kings film rooms page on Twitter and, 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 people and I still have people tell me that Sabonis is the problem. On defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even though there was hard video evidence right there showing you that he isn't, it, it's, people on the internet just just they, they can't be reasoned with it it's it's okay i think i think we've i think we've come to find that out um this season especially um yeah i i look the defense we knew was we were gonna have a we were gonna have a long way to go with this group right but uh, it, it's 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 like every now and then like there's just something else that that they kind of surprised me with and and you know with with them blitzing so well and putting two on the ball so well against Memphis I'm like man like like I I can't believe that they've actually like made that much progress to even do that in like over the course of a of a quarter 
uh, Boston when they were getting back into that game. You know, like they were they were clamping up. And and again, like huge shout out to Casey Akpala. He really came in and made Jason Tatum just labor a little bit more. And the Kings did a good job when they were trying to get back into that game. And eventually, you know, eventually took the lead on you know off the backs of the defense. So uh, it's trending in the right direction. Just hope to see that these things become more permanent and they become more consistent on a night-to-night basis. Because if you compare the second-best offense in the league with a, a 20-ish <laughs> ranked defense, uh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna win a lot more games for sure. Um, and you'll have less nights like the one in, in Boston where they just you know even though the basket was kind of just like this big for Boston, you know you might get more stops and you might hang it in that game. Um, all right, let's look at the week ahead, fellows. The Kings have the Phoenix Suns on Monday night. So when this episode releases, it would be, I guess, technically tonight. They have uh, the Indiana Pacers, a surprise, another surprise team in the East, the, Indi- the Indiana Pacers, coming to Sacramento on Wednesday. That's going to be Tyrese Halliburton's return. And more importantly, it's going to be Buddy Heald's return. And then on, I believe it is, yeah, I'm going to look at the schedule. Sorry, I didn't have it up. Uh, it looks like they kick off December on Saturday the 3rd at 1 p.m. against the Clippers. In LA, and then the next night, the NBA was very, very kind. They gave the Kings a <laughs> yet another back-to-back. They come back home and they face the Bulls on Sunday uh, in a 3 p.m. game. So four games this week. Abe, these next four games. What are you thinking? What are your predictions? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three and one. Okay, and I think we're gonna. Beat the Suns. Okay. I don't I don't see us losing three in a row. I just this team is is right now in a good rhythm and they're too good to lose three in a row. I, I know they lost four in a row to start the season, but that was before they got their feet wet, you know, before they took off the rust. Um, I think we're gonna beat Indiana and I desperately want Indiana. So I'm saying that out of <laughs> I'm saying that with my heart and not my mind. So Indiana's a really good team. So I, I think we're gonna beat Indiana with a Fox masterclass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think we're gonna lose to the Clippers. Uh, the reason why I say that is because the Clippers just have the wings that are just gonna make our life miserable. Um, and you know Paul George, Fresno's very own, he owns us. Um, but it's okay. Like I, I don't mind dropping a game to the Clippers. Um, and then the Bulls, the Bulls are struggling right now. They don't look good. The Bulls do not look good at all. Um, they're banged up too. Zach Levine is getting benched in crunch time. Uh, they're a mess. Mm. That's a game, even though it's on off the, off the second game of back to back. I do think we could steal that game. Um, I wonder if, I wonder if Mike Brown's gonna, uh, is gonna how he's gonna stagger the minutes in the Clippers game, seeing how this past week's back to back went. Um, I wonder how he's gonna do it with Fox and Sabonis. I'm sure that he's gonna have. Maybe we see very big minutes from Davion, in the Clippers game, uh, just to you know relieve some stress from Fox. I think Sabonis is very his style of play. It's not gonna he's not gonna have like tired legs. You know, he's very he plays at his own pace. So I don't think he he he's an, he has any issues playing on a back to back. Fox like with a guy who's like so such a, so athletic, you know, like as athletic as Fox and like who plays. He also plays at his own pace, but obviously like some games he's relying on his speed and 
You know, he plays a very, uh, like, I don't want to say he plays a physical brand of basketball, but Fox, you know, he gets to the paint a lot. So he takes a beating sometimes. I wonder if Mike Brown's going to, how he's going to game plan that Clippers game so that Fox stays fresh for the Bulls game. But I'm going to, overall, I'm going to say we're going to go three and one. KFR, your predictions. I just want to bring light to the fact that I predicted the last two weeks 100% accurate. All right. I said 3 and 0. Oh, I brought the logic. All right. And then I said 1 and 2. I predicted the game. So I'm just saying I'm on a six game <laughs> win streak. But I actually have the exact same outcome as Abe. I think that they'll beat the Suns tomorrow or today, depending on when you're listening to this. I think that Golden 1 is going to be rocking. Like after the road trip, you know, coming back home, I think Kings fans realized how much they missed the beam and they need the beam back. They're going to beat the Suns, and you know, there's no Chris Paul who I feel like is so much more important than Devin Booker for that team, especially just against the Kings. Like, I feel like if it's a, if it's a close game, I feel like the Kings would just lose just because Chris Paul is one of the greatest closers to ever play the game. Yeah. And then I would, I would again, I'm just picking the Pacers because of my heart, like, like Abe. If the Kings <laughs> lose that game, I am logging off of Twitter or I am. <laughs> Or, or or I'm blocking a lot of people because there's going to be some hot takes that night. Oh yeah, and I don't, I don't want to be participating in that. So I I will act, I will probably just not be on Twitter if the Kings lose that game. But also, I mean, I I don't want to be that guy and say the Pacers aren't for real, but their schedule hasn't been good. I I don't know how many legit playoff teams they beat. Mm-hmm. I, they beat the Nets recently, but obviously the Nets are kind of struggling. And uh, not to cut you off, Kfar, I actually looked at that up. They have a bottom five strength of schedule so far this year. Like so they've played a very, very weak schedule. Yeah, it feels like every time I see them, they're beating the magic. Like <laughs> real I feel like they played the magic eight times, to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, and then I I also think we'll lose to the Clippers just because, you know, the wings and they look like a problem against us when that was uh, in Sacramento, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So going to LA I don't feel great about that game and Paul George is the king killer. Yep. Yep. But uh, Chicago is the wild card. I have no idea because the Bulls just make no sense as a team. They beat Boston and Milwaukee back-to-back, then they lost to OKC. Mm-hmm. There's no way to predict what Bulls team you're going to be getting. They have talent. Like That team has a ton of guys that are at an all-star level or near that, and that can, even off the bench, guys like Kobe White, those dudes can put up 20 on any night. But they just haven't put it together and. They're so inconsistent right now. There's no way to predict what Bulls team we're getting. But uh, I'll I'll say the Kings win that game. Just you know, being at home, I don't think that they'll lose back to back games to the Clippers and Bulls. I think they'll still one of them, and I think it's more likely they beat the Bulls. All right, so I'm with you guys. Three and one, we're all aligned. We're all in lockstep. A three and one week. Uh, three one week. Uh, same results as well. Uh, the the Suns not having Chris Paul, and then also not having Cam Johnson. You know, that's that's you know that, that that's that's a huge blow uh, for them not to not to have both of those guys. Obviously, especially Chris Ball being able to just manipulate uh, defenses and, and and run a team. I mean, you know, uh, campaign is a very serviceable backup point guard. They they should still be very very competitive with him. I mean, that's a good team, but he's not Chris Paul. Um, I I I I too want to win the Indiana game, but I'm not. 
I've never involved myself in the whole Indiana versus Sacramento thing and, you know, hating Tyrese thing just because he he's he's the little and I, I love Buddy Hill. Like I know I'm in the like very minority of Kings fans, <laughs> but I loved him at Oklahoma. And mm-hmm. so just I, I've never like let that love go. Yeah. And even as then, you know, I was just I feel like there's a pitted rivalry that the Kings fans have against Buddy. Like if the Kings lose to Buddy Hield, not even Tyrese, Kings fans just don't want to lose to Buddy Hield. I think it's the problem. Yeah, I think it's I think it's more Buddy than anything, especially some of the stuff that he said. And look, I okay, I just said that I never involved myself in the Indiana and Sacramento thing. But last year, Buddy had this quote after he was traded saying that he was just a quote unquote stand in the corner guy for the Kings. And so well, he just I, lied. Yeah, well, me being the hater that I am, I, I went on to NBA Advanced Stats and I clipped together basically like 20 of his turnovers and I made a two-minute super cut of all of his turnovers with the ball in his hands as a Kings player last season. So, um, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm in, in the end, I am complicit in this. But, I, yeah, that's probably the main thing uh, is it's just don't I don't want Buddy Hill to have the last laugh. Um and and I don't even really have anything against the guy very much. It's just I don't know, man. It, it, the way the things I did here and some of the stuff he said since, I mean, you know, it, it hasn't really been. You know, he didn't have a very glowing review of Sacramento upon upon his departure. So, you know, but it'll be nice to see Tyrese back in the building. I'm sure we'll get a lot of cheers if he doesn't and you boo him. You're like, what are you doing? Um, so that'll be cool. Hopefully, they give him a tribute as well. I, I would expect them to. I mean, the Kings have been pretty good at that over the years with guys coming back. Um. The Clippers, I I will also chalk that up as loss, but I will say this. Here's the interesting. Here's the interesting thing about the Clippers to me. Second to last in the league in offensive rating, and if you think about that game against the Kings earlier earlier in the season at Golden One Center, it really was just Paul George going nuclear, right, and just taking over. Uh, they just could not stop that man down the stretch. However, they are second in the league in defensive rating. I mean, that team is is a defensive juggernaut. And for the reasons that you guys kind of mentioned, like they just have a ton of wings and and those guys are just rangy and they can just cover everything and play so many different coverages on pick and roll and things like that. Um, yeah, it's, I I don't expect them to go down to LA and, and win that game. Although I don't expect it to be a blowout. It's going to be a close game. And then when it comes to the Bulls, I do believe the Kings will win that game, even though it's kind of at a weird time and against a very weird team. But, um, you know, they're, they're weird for the reasons that you guys stated as well. So, I mean, I've, I, I I would expect them to come back home even on the second night of a back to back and 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 win that game. So yeah, I'm going three and one. So we we forgot one thing about the Clippers. They probably have the defensive player of the year on their team right now, and it is not any of those wings. It's not any of their guards. It's it's Zubox. Yeah, he is playing like a madman. He had yeah. 31 and 29 today. Bro. Like. <laughs> He's playing and he's protecting the rim. Literally, I believe he has the number one rim protection stats in the NBA. Like he is playing out of out of his mind right now, and he definitely scares me as a guy that's gonna lock Sabonis up. Yeah, and, and like that was like the last game where Sabonis couldn't make a layup. It seemed like you know, like Sabonis started off the the season his first three games just not being able to make a layup, and and that was kind of the last game. And and Zubats just a guy like Zubats just gonna give him fits. So hopefully the Kings find a way to work around that. But yeah, Zubats has been insane. I still can't believe the Lakers traded him across the hallway. Mike Muscala. <laughs> Wait, what about him? <laughs> that's who they traded him for. <laughs> oh, that's who they traded him. See, I, I yeah I, for, for a rental of Mike Muscala. I'm not gonna <sighs> I'm not gonna trash on Mike, but uh. 
I'm gonna say that the Lakers lost that one. I mean, come on, yeah, you know, and and he was and he was a major contributor right away to the Clippers. You know, like the the Clippers knew even I think I think Doc Rivers was still the coach there when when they acquired Zubats, and even he was just like, yeah, this guy was not he was miscast in, a, in, in, in with the Lakers. I'm gonna use him the way he should be used, and he's this guy's, guy's a monster. So, um, yeah, it'll be it's honestly three very intriguing. I'm sorry, four very intriguing matchups this week. And hopefully they, they they walk out on the positive side of it. But um, hey, nothing comes easy in the NBA. It's marathon, not a sprint. Yada yada yada. All that coach speak. Um, we'll see. And hopefully the beam will be lit at least three times this week, like we predict. All right, guys. Shout outs, closeouts. What do we got? Abe, your shout out for this week. Shout out to our number one fan, De'Aaron Fox. I know for sure he listens to this because he mm-hmm. told me. Yeah. Um, he never replies to my DMs, but I know he looks at them. Um, shout out to De'Aaron Fox because the news broke that he's having a child mm-hmm. and I'm very happy for him. He's having a baby boy. Yep. Um, you know, God willing, a very healthy delivery, healthy baby, God willing, everything works out. Um, shout out to De'Aaron Fox, man. Yeah. And, 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 and Rose, right. His wife, uh, his beautiful wife, like congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Her too. yeah. yeah. But mainly De'Aaron Fox. Cause you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Shout out, shout out to both of them. Shout out to both of them. All right, KFR, uh, your shout out. I did not come prepared for this, so my shout out will go to Rain Fox, who we predict will be the name of the kid, based off of Deer and Sweet. Right, pretty cryptic, but that that seems to be the case, right? Like that 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 yes. sounds like sounds like that will be that will be his uh, his son's name. So, which is an A plus name, by the way. Yeah, Rain so Fox. Dope. It's kind of disappointing that he didn't name him D D Aaron Fox. That's what I was thinking because <laughs> his dad is Aaron Fox and he's D Aaron Fox. So why don't you just go D D Aaron Fox? For people who don't know, uh, in French, when you put the 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 word D before a name, that means the son of. So that means he would have been the son of the son of yeah Aaron Fox. Come on. Kind of seems like a missed opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of seems like a missed opportunity here. You got to think about the marketing that would have gone into that as well. Like, yeah, you might he's got he's got more chances though. I mean, that's true. That's true. It's not like this will be his 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 final child, but like still, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there there was an opportunity there? Typically, we see De'Aaron Fox take advantage of these types of things, and uh, boy, might have fumbled it on that one. Uh, my shout out for this week will be to, uh, to the creators of this app called air, a I R R air.io. Um, I, I, I've done a handful of breakdowns using the app now, uh, that I posted on Twitter, just short form breakdowns and, uh, just awesome app. Uh, I requested beta access for it a few days ago and immediately just started, you know, just cooking up on it. And man, it's, it, it's been an awesome experience so far. Um, if, if you are into breaking down plays and, and really sharing your knowledge about basketball, or, you know, you just want to hop on the app and see what's on there. Uh, I highly recommend, uh, DMing, uh, one of, one of the, uh, creators and, and getting beta access. It, it's, it's, it's been an awesome tool, uh, that I hope to keep on using throughout the season. Um, they are on Twitter at, at now on air and N O W O N A I R R. And their creators are listed in the bio. Just go ahead and 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 shoot them a message and see if you can get beta access if you'd like. But man, awesome app, awesome concept. Uh, I I I feel like this is it's gonna be. It, it's mostly just basketball breakdowns that are on that app right now that people are posting. But man, I I see the potential for that thing to be like really big in multiple sports. So um, 
hop on hop on the train now um i actually just posted during during this recording of this podcast i posted another breakdown um of the king's offense so go check that out when you guys get a chance and uh tell me if it's good tell me if it's bad tell me if i should just stop doing them altogether but um it's it, it's been a funny it's been a fun experience using it so far so uh shout out to those guys all right everybody that'll do it for this week thanks again for tuning in and hopefully the beam will be alive and well this week as the kings play four games and when we talk to you guys next week Hopefully we'll be in a better mood and not coming off the heels of two straight losses. Uh, but we'll see. Shout out to all you for tuning in and listening. Like I, 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 I honestly, it, it's pretty staggering seeing like the numbers. When, whenever I do check them, I'm just like, wow, people are actually like listening to us. It's kind of crazy. So um, big shout out to everybody tuning in. And, uh, go Kings. Like the beam. Hey. 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 Hey.